We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing the esports business. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. This is all the information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Mark Kumar Kai. Mark is esports business content creator, streamer, and mobile esports caster. He's acted as caster for Critical Ops Esports and has partnered with brands such as Red Magic, Ryan Raymond, and Herman Miller, and has previously interned at Power Spike and Nivea. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you for having me. My pleasure. So to start, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how did you get involved in the esports and video game business? Yeah, sure. So um, the first game I played ever, I would have to say, was uh, Mario on my Game Boy. Um, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, at least. So that's probably the first one as a, as a little kid that I played. Um, and it was it was stupid because the Game Boy had some memory issue. So anytime you ever took the cartridge out of the actual Game Boy, it would just reset. So I got really good at playing the first three levels of the game before the Game Boy died. Um, so yeah, that was my first ever game experience. And, um, you know, I, I got more involved with it, more on the mobile side. So I started playing on my iPod Touch second generation. I think that was like 2009, 2010. Um, and I started playing mobile shooters on my iPod. So kind of like Modern Combat, if anyone knows what that game franchise is. Um, it's a game made by Gameloft. And uh, so I played that franchise for a while. It's kind of like Call of Duty, I would say, um, for mobile. And, and uh, so I, I really got deep into that. And um, I think that's what spurred my love for gaming. I, I'm still really big into shooters now. Um, and I still play mobile shooters. But I you know I do a combination of PC and mobile shooters as well. Um, and as I got more into gaming, I realized there's a whole esports scene because people were playing for money and there were these community chats and people were forming teams and playing in tournaments and things like that. So, um, you know, I think I played in like one or two tournaments and then I realized I'm not good at playing the game. I'm much better at talking about the game. So I uh, turned my sights toward commentating and that's kind of how I got more on the esports side. Um, but that was kind of my early days. And uh, here I am today creating content about the, uh, the esports side and, and the gaming um, side of, uh, or the business side of esports and gaming, at least. Amazing. So it's a, you know definitely a funny story about the Game Boy, and you know what's kind of started about you know some of the stuff you're doing. So you mentioned you started to create content. Why did you kind of start, and why did you kind of focus on you know esports related content? Yeah. So I initially I was just doing live gameplay videos on my YouTube, at least. So uh, I feel like most people know about my LinkedIn, but I have a YouTube channel, like you kind of mentioned, Coolmark, um, and that was more my consumer based gaming channel. I just did core gameplay videos. You know, me playing video games 
somewhat abysmally, um, but people enjoying watching me talk about them and, and kind of interact with people while I played. Um, so that's kind of how I did that. And then, like I said, the esports content, honestly, uh, I, I did a little bit of more competitive stuff, but like I said, I'm just not very good. So I started doing esports content in that I would upload clips of me commentating or like highlights from tournaments I would commentate. Um, so that was the first foray for me into esports content. And then um, I, I realized, you know, once I got into college that, hey, I'm studying business. Why don't I combine the two things I like a lot, business and esports? Um, so I started making more content about the business side of esports through learning the things I learned in my classes. Um, so I felt like it was a really good way for me to apply what I was learning, as well as just learn new stuff in general by my, um, you know, about the industry that I, that I really enjoy and uh, kind of see the behind the scenes from it. Um, so for me, it was it was a great way, and then also to meet people, you know, talking to you, talking to other people, and uh, you know, being able to to have intro chats and things like that at a young age. I think it's really valuable, um, and I'm very grateful for anyone who's allowed me to speak with them over the past few years and maybe continue that relationship um, because that that I think is also where a lot of learning comes from on the business side it's a lot of businesses behind closed doors what you see in like a press release is you know what the public wants to or what a company wants the public to see but you know learning strategically why a decision was made or why a decision was not made at least that that's what comes from talking to people um, and that's what allows me to kind of get the insights and, uh, you know, perspective that I have is from talking to people and, you know, hopefully as much as I can share with other people, that's why I do that as far as the, uh, the esports business content goes. Amazing. Well, I think that's, you know, some really great points you bring up there. It's, you know, it's being able to take something that's unique and different. So how do you kind of choose what stories you write about? Is there, you know, particular, you know, set that you're looking for criteria of, you know, it has to be this impactful or, you know, do you kind of just pick on things that maybe a bit more unique and novel? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both, right? So anything there's anytime there's something huge that happens, uh, I typically, you know, it, it's weird because sometimes I won't even cover it because I know so many other people will cover it, right? Like let's say, um, you know, the, the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Everyone knew about that. The whole world blew up about that. People outside of gaming knew about that. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll do a, a short little post about this, but it only if I'm early. It's kind of like I feel like a journalist at that point, but I wouldn't say I'm a journalist at all. Um, but, you know, just learning that type of stuff, I think it's good to make people aware of it, um, especially if they, you know, haven't seen it early on. But for me, it's very subjective. I, I have, you know, people will sometimes send me articles like, oh, we did some cool stuff, and uh, they'll be like, can you cover it? And, you know, I, as much as I like certain people, I have to make the decision myself and keep myself credible of, if I don't think this news is interesting, I'm not going to cover it. Um, and if I don't, you know, find value in this, or I don't think other people find value in this, then I'm just not going to cover it. So it's a very personal thing if I think it is you know, impactful as far as the business side of things goes for, uh, you know, consumers, fans, players, teams, organizers, brands, you know, in whatever sense, then, you know, I might cover it or if I just have a personal connection to it, right? If I know someone who did something cool and, uh, you know, and I want to just, you know, feature them, then I'll do that. So it, it is a very subjective um, decision that I go through. It, there's not very many requirements, but, and I couldn't really tell you what criteria I use. Um, because it, it kind of flux every time. It's it's mainly what I feel and what I think is valuable to other people. Interesting. I think, you know, I think that's what it needs. You need, you know, it's like curated content. I think that's like the idea of like, you know, you have curated playlists by tastemakers and people that you just value their opinion that it's like, hey, I want to see what this person is looking at or working at or think is, you know, important because everyone has their opinion, you know, as, you know, I'm sure something that happened I might think is real unique. And then someone else would be like, oh, well, 10 other people did it. It's like, okay, well, they maybe did it from a different angle. You know, like 
who this, you know, recently Gen G, you know, got into a partnership with a game developer where they're actually going to be marking the game and working with the game through their creators, where it's almost like they flip the script on the traditional esports business dynamic where, you know, the game publisher is this big, all powerful thing and the teams and the players and everyone just kind of follows their lead where it's like almost you as the team because you have such a global impact with your your network and your strategic partnerships and everything else you can kind of take hold of the marketing the promotion how the game is going to develop who's going to stream it what kind of content you're going to build around it and you know really take your expertise and combine it with everything you can do by having a developer on your side from giving away in-game items to special customized skins to you know, everything under the sun. So, you know, I think that there's just so many unique things happening and having someone to cover it and to kind of break it down, as you said, from this more academic lens as you're learning through your classes, I think is, you know, really essential. Thank you. Yeah, I, I saw that partnership and I was like, this is a pretty unique one. I feel like most esports orgs don't partner with uh, the game devs themselves unless they're, you know, promoting a, a new part of the game or something like that. But this is an entirely whole new thing. So uh, cool for Gen G. So what's your favorite part about creating content, whether it's the gaming stuff or some of the business stuff you're doing? Yeah, I, uh, I think for me, it's really good to see the reactions. Uh, that is, and I think that's also the demise of a lot of creators. But for me, um, I, I'm not big enough for <laughs> to where it's a demise. I haven't had people necessarily criticizing me too much yet. Uh, I, I mean, I think criticism is good. Um, to a certain extent. So I always, I always take feedback and things like that. But just seeing the fact that a lot of people will share my work internally, at least on LinkedIn, the business side, um, I've had people reach out and say, hey, I actually share these in team meetings. I tell people to watch these because it gives a great update. Or you know, the, when you do a deep dive, I share it with the team because it, it kind of breaks down something that I might not have seen or um, that type of perspective. As long as I can add value to other people um, and they can, you know, glean something from it. I, I think that's what's really, it, it makes it good for me in that not only did I learn, but I helped someone else learn something. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it's good there. And, you know, additionally, it builds my brand, which I, I also appreciate. Um, and then on the core gaming side, you know, I get to play games and uh, make content about it. Like that's super fun. And if you just take a step back to think about it, I, you know, I have a great life in that I can play a video game, record it, you know, be silly, curse a little bit, and uh, some it can make someone else's day better, right? So I think that's just the simple concept of me being able to play games, which is something that I, you know, never really was allowed to do for a long time at home. And, you know, I can do it and, and say, hey, it's something that is valuable to the fans. And, you know, maybe someone across the world is having a tough day and they just want to watch a video and, you know, they want to watch me be mad instead of being mad themselves, right? And they can kind of laugh along to it and laugh at me instead of, uh, you know, having an you know, escape from their reality, right? I think that's like a, a good way I kind of look at it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's just the overall concept of being able to, to entertain other people. And, and sometimes I've actually even, apparently I've taught people English. I didn't know how, but some people who don't really speak English that well, they watch my videos and they said, wow, I've learned a lot of English from you because I mean, you only speak English, but this game is popular in my region. So by watching you as a creator through that game, I was able to learn a lot of different English words that they never teach me in school. Uh, because this is really game stuff and you know, school doesn't teach you game English terminology. So I was like a, a side little bit that it was pretty cool, but um, you know, just a lot of entertainment and, and adding value to other people. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a really, you know, amazing thing that you bring up that people are really using this as like an academic resource to learn. So I know you kind of mentioned earlier that you kind of transitioned from, you know, playing the game to more casting. So 
tell us a little about your casting work. You know, how did that initially start? What is some of the stuff that you know you've worked on? Yeah, so I initially casted for Barn Combat. Um, I played in one ESL Weekly Cup, I think, and I won like maybe fifty dollars. And I said, you know what? Let's end on a high. I'm just gonna cap it there, and I stopped competing in any time. on top, I like it. Exactly. Yeah, I got went on dub. Um, so I won on the dub, and then I just never played competitively again. And I was like, you know what? My videos are all live commentary, so talking about a game is not at all scary to me and being on camera is not all scary i'll be it virtually but still like i could you know i'm not it, it was very comfortable for me to be on camera and talk directly at a camera and kind of you know get with an audience virtually so i you know transitioned more to that side start initially commenting modern combat tournaments and then i transitioned my youtube channel to more of a game called bullet force and i would say that's more like a battlefield type game it's a lot more players available the maps are a lot larger um, and so I did some esports commentary there on the tournaments that happened there. Really interesting because uh, there's a lot of different game modes in it versus uh, a typical like Call of Duty or, or CS:GO where there's like very few game modes. Um, uh, Bullet Force had a lot of different game modes, so I'd always commentate like you know capture the flag or, or TDM or search and destroy like those types of different game modes. So it was good for me to learn um, what what type of game modes and how to commentate the cadence things like that. And I did a lot of my um, commentating learning just from watching other esports, more established ones. So I'd watch Call of Duty. I'd watch primarily CSGO um, because that's the game I would basically play after, which is uh, Critical Ops. So Critical Ops is this mobile game that's kind of modeled after um, CSGO on, on the mobile devices. Um, and so I would watch a lot of the commentators because the way that the game was played is very similar as far as the cadence goes and the weapons and um, maps are different, obviously, so I had to learn that. But the way the game itself operated was very similar, so I used a lot of the same mannerisms. Um, I got a lot of inspiration from CSGO commentators and kind of used that for myself in Critical Ops. And that's the game I've been playing on my channel mainly for the past couple of years and commenting the esports scene there. So I've been able to see it kind of grow, ebb and flow. Um, the game itself has seen some really high peaks and some uh, some lows a little bit. I think recently the game's been going through a little bit more of a low, um, just as more players have been going more to like Call of Duty, mobile or uh, you know PUBG mobile or, or other types of games you know obviously seeing Apex Legends and Valorant mobile that are going to be coming out soon um, Warzone mobile as well was you know recently announced so lots of different games that are um, or at least FPS games coming to mobile and I assume with that is going to be some esports scenes with that um, but as far as mobile goes I think it's interesting because it's it's a very infant part of esports in general. Um, a lot of players are very, very young compared to like PC esports, where you know even Fortnite players they're young, but uh, I would say they have a little more maturity in that they, um, they, you know, they spent a lot of money on a computer, right? So they kind of understand how that works, and um, even if they're a bit younger, they have older players around them to kind of teach them things. Whereas mobile has always been young, always played by young people. And so I think a lot of people, uh, you know, there's maybe just a little bit more professionalism that needs to exist in the mobile space, at least in the community that I commentate. There's a lot of teams that disband instantly and, and you know, regroup together. And, you know, I wish we could build more storylines around that as a commentator and as a fan. It's better if you can, you know, keep some consistency um, so that, you know, fans can really catch that storyline. And as a commentator, I can actually talk about it. Um, but overall, I really enjoy it. I think it's good because it is a very young group of people um, versus some esports where, you know, like StarCraft has a very, I would say, much older demographic of people watching and playing it versus mobile esports is a very young demographic and a lot wider of an audience because almost everyone has a phone. It's just the matter of uh, actually getting people to watch mobile esports and, uh, you know, maybe participate in them is another issue. But um, that's, yeah, that's kind of my long answer on uh, mobile esports and, and commentating there. Amazing. Well, I definitely agree that, you know, 
there's definitely a lot going on in the mobile world. So is there anything unique about casting for a mobile esport that might differentiate from you know working in a more traditional console or PC-based esport? I wouldn't say so. I think there's a lot of uh, PC and, and console commentators who do P, uh, do mobile commentary. So I don't think there's necessarily a differentiator. It's just more so learning the devices and kind of the play style of the game, right? Um, you're obviously not using a keyboard, mouse, or a controller. You're using you know, fingers on your device um, and, and understanding that like, hey, something, some people use like a four finger set, some people use a six finger set, like those smaller things that are more technical to the actual game itself. And, you know, how do you position your HUD and things like that? Um, I guess those are things you have to learn, but, you know, I think anyone can learn those. So they're, they're very similar. It's just learning the game itself. Absolutely. So what do you like most about casting? I like being able to just talk about a game. For me, it's very reactive, so I get, I get to see what's going on, and I kind of make up a storyline as I go. Um, and it's good to bounce ideas off of my co-commentator as well because, you know, you obviously have a play-by-play and you have a color commentator. And for me, I typically do play-by-play, and so being able to listen to my co-commentator as well and, and see what different analysis he's able to pull kind of informs my play-by-play as well. You know, you can mention various different things and um, essentially just creating a, a dialogue and more entertainment for viewers at home. That's what I really like and being able to cover the, you know, huge moments and um for me it's still about the passion right i still love the game and watch the game a lot and uh, i enjoy you know watching people play the game at a high level and so if i can you know make a member uh, a little part of that esports tournament or part of that uh, match a little bit more memorable with the way i you know commentated or talk about it i think that's also really fun for me um and and it leaves a lasting impression on other people as well if a commentator is you know really hyped about the play it must have been something really good so it kind of gives direction to people about what's going on about the game and hopefully can educate people more as well about the game itself. Definitely. So what tips you have for any aspiring casters or they're really trying to kind of start on this journey that you've been on? I would say just commentate your own games. If you play a game yourself and you want to get commentate, or if you want to start commenting about it, just take a match you've played and commentate it. And uh, I would say that's like a really great way to get started. Obviously watching other commentators, not only from a standpoint of being a fan and enjoying what they're saying, but taking notes. How do they say various things? Do they repeat themselves a lot? Do they stutter? Uh, You know, those types of things um, and, and learning how they speak and analyzing um, what type of facts do they have to know? When is a good time to joke? How do they kind of get this cadence with their co-commentator? Those are all things I think are really good to learn about. Um, and obviously, it takes time to learn these things. It's not necessarily even if you take notes, you have to you know trial by fire. So actually commenting, finding a partner. You know maybe some partners aren't good, some partners are great, um, and kind of understanding like how that dynamic works. But um, you know it's a lot of combination of research and being fluid with your co-commentator as well is what I'd say. Um, and then just practice. Absolutely. I think that's some great advice you have there. So kind of shifting a little, you've worked, you know, interned at some other, you know, places within the industry. Tell us a little about some of the where else you've worked and some of the stuff you learned about, especially working with esports and gaming talent from, you know, the more brand side. Yeah, so I actually, my first internship uh, I've had was with this um, company called Midgame. And Midgame was like a voice technology gaming platform. It was kind of like a Wikipedia for gamers, but more so voice activated. So I think the idea was, oh, if you haven't played a game for a while and you want to get up to speed, but you don't want to alt tab and look up everything out of it, um, you know, how do you, what do you do there? So I kind of interned for them, did some product development, did some market research which I thought was really fun. It was kind of my first foray into working with um, influencers and people in the gaming community. 
Um, and then my next summer, I actually worked at uh, Shell, so the, uh, the the energy oil and gas company. And um, one of my projects was actually forming an esports and gaming strategy for their U.S. division and how you know you know the team could use esports and gaming uh, to reach their marketing strategic objectives, which I thought was really fun. And they were very transparent in that they said, "Hey, we don't really know gaming and esports. We know marketing, sales, and this industry, but how do we target a younger demographic?" So. I felt awesome knowing that they were using my expertise to inform their decisions. And even at a high level, I think there were general managers and VPs when I presented that. So I was, I was like, hey, this is awesome that it's actually being uh, considered and, and taken into account um, for a future marketing strategy. Um, and then in between that, I started working at PowerSpike, which is a, um, a gaming influencer company. So mainly just executing upon uh, gaming campaigns or, or campaigns with brands that want to work with streamers. And so primarily work with Twitch streamers. And oftentimes the brands would be endemic. Sometimes they'd be non-endemic um, and kind of just understanding like, hey, what were their objectives? What kind of streamers were we looking for? And how can we you know, work creatively to make these things happen? So work with a lot of cool brands uh, like Verizon and Fireball and some, some other cool brands as well, Bose as well. Work with some really big streamers like Skump and Ludwig. Um, and so it was really nice to, you know, be able to work across a wide variety of, of talent, uh, mainly in the in the North America region. Uh, but we did work with some in Europe and uh, some in Asia as well. So that was a really fun time for me actually executing the campaigns and, you know, doing negotiations and contracts and, you know, analytics and things like that. Um, and then I also interned at NVIDIA on the enterprise team, which is actually not related to gaming esports at all. I, I did not touch gaming or esports at my time at NVIDIA, but still working with influencers. Um, more so on the data science, AI, machine learning side. So what does like an AI influencer look like? I think it's most people in gaming probably don't know what an AI influencer is because uh, I learned at least that half Well, yeah, the time, tell us about that. I mean, I think that yeah. would be really great for – give us some Yeah. Idea. I mean like – so I during my internship I learned, I was like a lot of these uh, influencers at least – or content creators I would say because I, I, I firstly I learned that there's a difference between an influencer and a content creator. An influencer can create no content at all, but they can still be very influential. Um, and I met a lot of those people on Twitter, a lot of the people who are, you know, verified and, you know, chief data scientists at Google, but never tweet themselves. They just retweet. Right. So it's like, yeah, they're an influencer, uh, but they don't create content. So they're not a content creator. Uh, but so, you know, that that distinction and then learning that, like, yeah, a lot of these content creators on YouTube, they would make these tutorials on data science or machine learning or how to speed up your algorithms uh, when they had like a full time job at, you know, like Salesforce or something or some other company. So like these people had full time jobs. And they were just doing this on the side. And I'm like, yeah, you probably earn a lot more money than anyone we know, right? So it's a, it's a lot of different um, perspectives and, and, you know, what value can you add to them by, you know, reaching out to them and, and you know, talking about video products, especially especially because for me, I didn't really know a lot of the products on the enterprise side. I'm more familiar with the, the gaming products, but I had to learn a lot about the enterprise products. So what services do we have that can really help them? And, you know, what relationships can we build? And how do we build these relationships, right? Um, and go about that. So there's a, a lot of new creative ways for me to kind of do a similar task as I was doing before, but in a different industry, which I thought was really cool. Um, and, I, and I met a lot of really cool people, influencer-wise. And, you know, sometimes I still get messages from them. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I just interned there. But, um, and and so, you know, I think that's kind of a, a showing to that the uh, relationships you build, at least with the influencers, those go a long time. And the people you work with in the industry, at least you talk with, they kind of stick around, right? Even if you might not be in the same role, they want to still be in touch with you. Uh, which I think is really cool. So I had a great experience there. Like I said, didn't really touch gaming nor esports very much, but I uh, focused a lot on influencers still, which was, uh, I think, good for me. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, seeing some of this stuff with these virtual rappers and, you know, virtual bands and just what they're doing is just 
amazing. I was working with someone who was creating like a record label for a bunch of different ones and like going to create a whole marketing and publishing and just creating this whole, you know, entertainment division and company based on these AI creations. So definitely going to see how that continues to build with everything. Yeah, I'll be excited to see. So what's your favorite part about working in the esports and gaming world? The fact that I get to work with video games and uh, people playing video games every day, I think it's a it's a dream come true for a lot of people. And like I said, if you just taking a step back, it's just, you know, we work in an entertainment industry that people very much aspire to be in quite frequently, at least. Um, people really love video games. People enjoy them. People, um, you know, find solace in them and are able to meet new people in them. And, you know, I, I, I know sometimes even you know, meet their future spouse or, or find like a lifetime best friend um, just by playing video games, right? And I think just by understanding that, hey, we have a very lucky job that we get to be involved in this whole process of video gaming and making entertainment happen is um, really cool, right? And and I think just meeting all the people who come from very different areas. I think video games is one of the few areas that um, you don't necessarily, you can come from any background and it's, um, it's open to anyone, right? It's not like any physical ability is going to allow you to not be in esports, right? Anyone can really play esports as long as they have, you know, I was obviously equipment has a, as a factor there, but you know, once equipment is out of the way, it's not like someone has to be physically tough. And I think it's more accessible to a lot of sports out there because there's a lot of equipment required for sports where, you know, most people have at least a phone nowadays, or at least, you know, maybe a computer that they can access. So um, it's connecting more people than ever before. And I think that hopefully, People are I think people who are against it in the past are starting to realize the positive uh, values of, of gaming and and potentially esports as well. Definitely. So you know, as a lifelong gamer, I definitely echo all those sentiments. I'm definitely glad to see that the more mainstream world is starting to you know take us seriously. You know, I've, coming from academia where I used to teach music business classes, now I'm teaching you know esports business and all of these other classes. So it's awesome to see the establishment kind of change course on all this stuff. So to kind of bring it towards the end, now what's the future for you in the esports and gaming space? Yeah, for me right now, it's just continuing to create business content and uh, commentate my esports stuff. I think honestly, um, you know, once I start working full time, which I, I don't know when I'll reveal that, but uh, I'll, I'll probably reveal that at some point. Um, I think for me getting back into the core like consumer content creation, so just like Twitch streaming or YouTube gaming and things like that, um, more kind of on the gaming slash lifestyle side of things, you know, more like IRL streams or just chatting and less so just core gameplay focused, I think is better for me. Um, I love gaming and I love the people that come with gaming. Uh, I just realized I'm, like I said, I've never been great at games. So trying to compete in like, oh, you know, watch me, I'm so good. It's like, that's not how it works. And I'd rather just play a lot of different games and meet people through playing games than trying to be good at them or commentate them, right? So uh, I think there's a lot of kind of variety streamers that I aspire to be like, and and I see what their content is doing. And, uh, you know, it, it inspires me, it gives me creativity as well. So I think in that realm, creating more of that type of consumer content once I have um, a little more time once I'm out of college, at least. And then, uh, you know, continue to create business content. I still enjoy the business side and it keeps me informed as well. So um, I think that will allow me to, like I said, just be more informed and uh, hopefully add value to other people. And so as long as I can you know, continue doing that, um, I'll be happy. It's I, I don't I don't need too much. I just like to be involved in the space. Amazing. Well, definitely, you know, good luck on the rest of your mission. And I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to play? Well, I think of all time, uh, that's 
that's a tough one. Um, I, I've recently really been liking Battlefield 1. And when I say recently, I mean like for the past year and a half. Um, it's been my favorite game to play for the past year and a half. I just love it. I, I know the game came out about six years ago at this point, but it's a phenomenal game. Um, very few games made about World War One. Uh, a lot of World War II games, so I really like that aspect, and the game just plays phenomenally. And I, uh, I've, I've gotten to become a little decent at the game as well. I think that's a, why I'm a little biased towards it. But um, Battlefield One's great. Um, but on the side of like watching video games, I love watching CS:GO esports. That will always be my um, bread and butter esports. If if there's you know League of Legends esports and Rocket League and Dota Two and CS:GO and Call of Duty, I'm always going to pick CS:GO uh, just because that's I've. You know, growing up watching it, especially with the game that I commentate as well. Um, so, like I said, I, I can learn a lot from it, and uh, I just am very well connected with um, what players are doing what, and I, I don't personally know them, but uh, I know a lot about them. So, I have more of an affinity to CS:GO esports. Awesome. So, you know, last one. So, what's your favorite video game character? Oh, favorite video game character. I actually am not gonna lie. I don't play very many um, character story based games which is tough, but I've been playing It Takes Two. Um, and so I think the two characters from from those, with a, with a friend at least, um, I, f- I forgot what they're called. I, I don't know. I, f- I feel bad now. I'm like a fake gamer, honestly, if I don't know what they're called. Well, I was, you know, um, Mario, the Ouija Pikachu. You know, you can never go wrong with the classic. No, but I feel like it'd be more honest for me to say, uh, who is this? What's, what's, uh, uh, I, I play May. So in in, uh, in it takes two. It's a co-op game. I've been playing May, and I think mm-hmm. the way they they frame the characters is really good. Oh, I also think um, uh, from from The Last of Us. Um, I think Ellie's a great character. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, like at least in a story based game, I think that's a kind of a great person to play. Um, you got Joel as well, but I think Ellie's a a better one. So I think that game just is really phenomenal and. Uh, uh, I, I like watching people play it, but uh, I personally, for me, it's it takes two, and I play May. Um, so May is probably my favorite video game character. Amazing! So you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was you know, really exciting. So tell us where everyone they can find and connect with you. Sure, uh, you can find me on the internet. Just look up Mark Kai uh, if you're so inclined to, uh, you know, look at my consumer gaming stuff, my YouTube and whatnot. You can look up Cool Mark, and because uh, I mean, Justin covered all of it. He said. Mark, cool Mark guy. So you just look me up on the internet. Hopefully I'll, I'll pop up. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever you want to find me or connect with me. But uh, just look my name up. Usually that should be good. Awesome. So everyone reach out to him and check out his content. He's definitely got a nice crash course on what's going on in the business world. So, you know, LinkedIn is always where that stuff is. And thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Thanks for having me on, Justin. And uh, yeah, make sure you definitely check out his other content. Why won't I?